what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Leadership GPS, insightful conversations about leadership and what it takes to be successful in today's rapidly changing organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leadership GPS here on TheMesh.TV. We're back. It's been a little while. Dad, how are you doing? It's good to see you. I mean, it feels like we haven't seen each other for months, even though, of course, I know we see each other about every day, but we haven't actually talked in this kind of a podcast environment for Gosh, it's been a really long time. Well, thanks for clarifying that because you are my son. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we do see each other <laughs> a, a little bit more often than what we record, yeah. but uh, it has been a while since we got around the studio booth here to do a little recording of the show here. So, Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. Anxious to get started back on this. Yeah, We're kind of treating this as almost a uh, season two. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that even though all the other episodes we've recorded are still there, they're available on iTunes, they're available on Stitcher Radio or the Mesh.TV website. Uh, We're kicking off some new episodes, some new discussions over the coming months as we dig back into the idea of leadership and what it means for those of you listening, how to either strengthen your role as a leader, how to look at uh, better leadership models for an organization or yourself. And dad too, you know, kind of the slant we've always taken with this is you and I are from obviously two different generations with regards to leadership. We both have some different takes on how leadership affects individuals in the workplace. Uh, you, but you really kind of the master here. You've been working with leadership orga- organizations on the leadership side for many years and uh, not only helping organizations strengthen their leadership team, but also working individually with people to help craft them rolling from what a kind of a manager role into mm-hmm. those that you would consider true leadership role. Yeah, yeah. It's about movement from mm-hmm. management into leadership uh, because it's a totally, I won't say a totally different field, but there's some overlap. But leaders are, I think, unique people and right. people I hold in high regard when they're true leaders mm-hmm. and do things in a leader-like fashion. Right. Well, what we're going to do is each episode we get together, we kind of take a topic and we just talk it out. We kind of give some examples and stories of our own as well. And, of course, we always encourage our listeners to provide us with any feedback, any questions, any comments on any of the episodes we record. We'd love to hear from you. And there's a lot of different ways to do that that we'll explain later on in the show. Before we get started, though, I do want to kind of call your attention to something that has nothing to do with leadership, but I think it's going to be a great thing that we're all being involved with here at The Mesh. Coming up October 13th through the 19th of 2014, we have the Greater Hickory Kia Classic. That is happening here in uh, Conover, North Carolina, which is just down the road from where we're recording at the moment, the studio recording here. The Greater Hickory Kia Classic is just a really nationally renowned golf tournament that happens in our area. It takes place at Rock Barn Golf and Spa in Conover. You can get your tickets and information about the, uh, about the tournament at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. It's exactly like it sounds, all one word, greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. That's where you can get all your information, get some tickets, and I'm kind of extending the invitation like I have on a couple other shows. If you're making your way into the Catawba County, Conover, Hickory area for this, this tournament in October, drop us a line. Let us know. We'd love to have you come drop by and say hi here at the Mesh Studios or just get, get to listen and meet some of our uh, listeners out there uh, around the nation. This is a big tournament. We're really excited to be a partner with uh, the Greater Hickory Kia Classic this year, as we have been the last couple of years. It really is a showcase tournament for our area. Dad, you, uh, I don't think you've been out to the tournament since it's been I there. But I'm not a familiar with myself, it. but I, uh, this is a great classic. I think it's a seniors tournament. Is that right? That's correct. You know? Right. Always a great turnout. We have people coming in from everywhere. And we have in Hickory, just so you know, a, a great suite of hotels and nice classy and, and state-of-the-art hotels as well. 
uh, and we can accommodate people coming in from long distances, so no problem at all. Great. And uh, close to the Charlotte Airport, even for people That's who fly in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the people who put this on, not only because it's sponsored by Kia Automobiles and everything, but the Greater Hickory uh, Tournament Association, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. that put it together, and the team that runs this thing does a magnificent job. Absolutely. They're, they're just on top of every detail, and they get rave reviews every time, not only from the golfers, but from people who attend the golf classic themselves. Absolutely. Cannot agree more. So there you go. GreaterHickoryKiaClassic.com is where you want to go to get more information on that. So, Dad, let's get into our topic here, our first episode back in quite a while. Let's talk about the topic you brought up, which I think sounds really interesting and anxious to get into the discussion about it, the idea of shaping a corporate culture. That's what you said you wanted to talk about a little bit. So uh, what did you have in mind with this? Where do you want to go with this conversation? Well, let me tell you why I even brought up the topic is mm-hmm. crafting cultures. You know, crafting to me is a, is a workmanship process, you mm-hmm. know. And it's something that usually doesn't happen with cultures, but the culture thing is something that's coming out in the last, what, 15 years maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of become a venue of a lot of management circles and organizations. I'm not sure we've done a great job of helping people define or shape their cultures. Mm-hmm. What we basically have led people to over the years is simply saying the definition of a corporate culture is, well, that's just the way we do things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like it evolved naturally and organically over time and they're like well okay i guess that's it is what it is a phrase i detest by the way it is what it is it sounds like we have no role in making something happen we just take it as it is that's not what a corporate culture is about but mm-hmm. corporate culture has an awful lot to do with how leaders lead it's how people do business with your organization or not mm-hmm. it's what they know about you what they value about you we'll get into more about that in a moment but i have to tell you there's two things that happened lately and one of them you probably won't like you know i'm Mm. your dad you probably won't like this alan but uh there's two things that happened to me recently that made me focus on how we get to do what we do naturally routinely within an organizational setting Mm -hmm. and how things evolve over Mm -hmm. time kind of the rules that we all play by okay Okay. one of which is working with one of my client hospitals i work with and do individual consultation with Mm -hmm. The word culture and building a culture is bantered around an awful lot. Sure. And I asked that CEO and his team one day, I said, so what is your culture? Mm-hmm. Define your culture for me. And out of the six people around that table, all VP level or CEO, had six different interpretations of what their culture was. Wow. Mm-hmm. I said, so you basically don't know what your culture is. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we don't. So how can you tout it? How can you sell mm-hmm. your culture? How can you use it as a magnet for attracting great staff mm-hmm. and customers if you don't know what it is? Okay. Good point. The other thing, this is the part you won't like. You know, there's a program on one of the TV channels now called, um, you probably know it better than me, but Orange is a New Black. Yes. Okay. It's about a women's prison <laughs> and a real experience of a woman yes. prisoner um, type of thing over the years. I'm, I'm fairly familiar I with know, the show. Yes, and I right. know that you expect me to close my ears during <laughs> part of that well, and put blinders on my eyes. I just know it's one of those things when you guys asked about it and said, is this a show we should be watching? And my response was, well, I don't know about that. So, um, but well, I, I don't know. I understand. Side, uh, I remember you to the side. You said, dad, you'd really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I did take it. You, you are enjoying it or have enjoyed it. I guess you've I already have. watched it all right. We just yeah. started season two. Okay. okay. We're catching up things and we have sure. some marathon watchings and all that. Yes. And, yeah. There are certain points that I really, really <laughs> like. And others that I kind of wince at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But what happened lately, yeah. I saw the culture of the prison, mm-hmm. the women's prison that's featured there, shift. Okay. As well as the culture of the person who's the primary 
focal point of this whole story. Yes. What's her name again? Uh, uh, Piper. Piper. Yes. yes, that's right. I know you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. in the first season, second season. And the pivotal point for Piper changing her own who she is mm-hmm. came about because she just let it fly and beat up one of the other inmates. Right. And the season stopped there and started back. And totally changing her. Yes. But I started looking at that and saying, you know what? This prison has its own way of operating. Mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with how the warden thinks it ought to operate. Mm-hmm. Two different spheres. The inmates themselves craft out how we do things, what we're successful with, how we make things work for mm-hmm. us and our benefit. You know, who, And they get known for that. Right. You know, And you introduce new characters and how they assimilate into that culture, who tells them what ropes to play mm-hmm. by, who to watch out for, and all that sort of stuff. All that is simply saying, how do we communicate our culture to new people? All right. Wow. I, well, you're exactly right. That's, that's, and I think that's one of the things I really am fascinated by the show with is that idea of, of the, the, the hierarchy that's set up. The, mm-hmm. Certain people are in power. Certain people yep. are not. Yep. You know, these people control these elements. These people are just uh, have to report to those other elements. And it all is di- dictated to some degree, which also changes in season two. I don't know if you've gotten to this point where – they bring in some different personnel to help run the prison they, and the culture changes. It, well, I'm, I'm not things. telling you where, Gee, but I'm just is. saying that at some point there are some further changes and it seeing the impact it has on all the inmates, the overall culture changes again. So it's well, really interesting. Well, that's a great point there. to make yeah. because one of the things that we do know about culture, despite what some people tend to think, culture is crafted out from the top down, mm-hmm. not from the bottom up. Right. The bottom up, philosophy basically assumes, well, we happen to be a byproduct. This culture is a byproduct of whoever happens to be working here and whatever they do in their jobs and how they do it. Mm-hmm. That's not that way. The true corporate cultures that you set out that are crafted mm-hmm. rather than just evolve, somebody has said, this is what we want to be and this is what we're being known for. And this is how we want to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? And now how do we paint that picture? How do we put it together? How do we Hardware are those things that we do day to day and imbue new employees with and that type of thing all the way through that basically say we're going to keep it that way mm-hmm. and we're going to grow it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do that by seizing on a logo or a mission statement or mm-hmm. a vision statement and then really touting that and so on and so forth and cascade it through the organization. Others, I think they sometimes they just simply get fed up. And frustrated. I'll give you a little story. One of the hospitals that we work with in Wisconsin, a great hospital, it's a small mm-hmm. hospital, but they radically shifted their culture to one of get by, maintain day to day, do with mm-hmm. the necessaries and run a hospital to one of excellence, mm-hmm. to one of drive change, become high profile, those types of things. And the, the reason they got into that was because the four senior officers were traveling to a conference one time in Chicago in the car, and things were not going well in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, you know what, I'm tired of things being the way they are. <laughs> so their, their catapult for change was frustration and aggravation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And there's some logic to that. I, I talk about the change theory in just a few minutes as it relates to organizational cultures. But that's one of the driving impetuses for change sometimes is that we do nothing until it gets bad enough until we have to do something. Mm-hmm. To get it off dead center. And for them, that was it. That was a kickstart, you know. And they came back and said, we're tired of this. It's not going to be that way anymore. What do we want it to be like? And okay. where do we work? And that, that whole thing, it's, it's well, laid you'd hate, carpet. Everybody. You would hate to think that it's 
takes a moment of just pure frustration like that to reshape an organization. But sometimes I take it that's that's what needed, I guess. Well, and that's one of three ways that people get ready to shift anything or change anything. Mm-hmm. And it, it relates to people and it relates to corporations, it relates to cultures, whatever. One of which is out of frustration with where we are. We do nothing mm-hmm. until it gets bad enough we don't like it anymore. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's where a person who decides to lose weight right. looks in the mirror, has lived their weight Whatever for years and years and years, looks in the mirror and all of a sudden they say, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm done with I'm it. I'm tired of yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm physically tired. I don't feel good. And I don't look good. Darn it. I'm going to change this. Right. It's the catalyst for change. And that's mm-hmm. the same reason. But there are the two ways that people <clears throat> get ready for change. Excuse me. One of which, other than just do nothing until, until things get bad enough to change. Another is that fear is generated. Mm-hmm. Fear, if we don't change, something worse will happen. So it's being a little more predictive, absolutely. But from a pessimistic standpoint, that's I mean, right. If we don't do anything now, that's right. Even though things may not be horrible right now, if we don't do something now, there's a good chance in the future well, it will get. You bad. put it in the corporate sense, you know, mm-hmm. whether hospitals or non-healthcare organization doesn't matter. Somebody looks at their landscape and said, "You know what? If you, we don't change the way we do business, the mm-hmm. way we are as a company, we won't exist in another right. three years." Sure. So that fear of not existing down the road or falling back in the pack of competitors or whatever it may be it, it is enough to drive change. Uh, kind of a local situation sometimes, Lowe's hardware stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lowe's, honestly, and I don't think they mind my saying this, years ago, many years ago, mm-hmm. going to shop at Lowe's was a frustrating mm-hmm. experience. Okay, Non-friendly to customers. You had to beg for attention almost. <laughs> you get confusing pricing and everything else and just a really – stand offered approach to customers. But that's because they had the market. Mm-hmm. Then something called Home you know, Depot came on the marketplace and others right. started coming up. And somewhere along the line, somebody in corporate headquarters at North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, said, doggone it, it's not going to be that way anymore. Right. And it's a radical transformation into a great company that's very customer-centered and focused on needs of the customers and that type of thing. Hmm. From the inventories to the customer sales, how they're handled, into their promotions and everything else. You know? So that's an example of, I, I don't recall Lowe's ever being you know, on the verge of bankruptcy or anything, no. but they were probably looking at that landscape like you were saying and saying, sure. hey, you know what? There's other guys out there that are doing this better than we are right now. Yep. Yep. If we don't change, we could be obsolete in a number of years. That's exactly right. Yeah. The, the third way is probably the best way to get people ready to shift something or change something, mm-hmm. and that is you create a, a more positive or hopeful picture. Of what we can be. Okay. How much better it would be if we do such and such. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the desirable one, but it's also the most difficult to achieve. Wow. Uh, the other two work amazingly well. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my grandfather when I was growing up as a small boy, and I did something he didn't like one day, in matter of many <laughs> days, I'm sure. And this was back when he was about 90 years old, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was a tough guy. He really wow. was. And I think I had a BB gun, and I shot at something, and I wasn't supposed to shoot at it. Anyway, he just really jumped all over me. Mm-hmm. And he said, shook his finger at me. I can still see him. And his jowls were flapping and his fingers pointing and all that. And he said, what you kids need today is a good depression to go through to teach you some values. <laughs> wow. You know, well, first of all, I struggled with defining a good depression. I don't know what that could be. <laughs> I'm not sure what that would look like. Uh-huh. But there, there's, there's got to be an easier way to develop core values mm-hmm. than hurting enough and getting punched enough to do it. Right. Go through a good depression, suffer enough, Tony, then you'll learn your lesson. Then well, we've heard that out, for a long yeah. time, you know. But how much better would it have been to talk about a more positive picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Why I shouldn't be doing the things I was doing. You know, how much better it is to shoot at a defined target and develop my marketing skills or whatever it might be. 
Well, boy, that painted a picture in my mind. Oh, I'm so, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so basically, even though there are a lot of different variations of ways you could get spurred along to look at reevaluating and resetting your corporate culture, obviously you want to do it as a more of a positive thing. Uh, this is how we can get stronger. This is how we can look get at better. what we can this be, look at where we can be. And right. then you set your strategy. Yeah. Okay. But you create a sense of urgency mm-hmm. by doing that. You create a sense of meaningfulness. Right. You create a sense of positivism and hopefulness. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where we want to be. This is a great picture. Look at this. You want to be on board of that? Right. Well, here's what we got to do. Yeah. And that starts the wheels churning when you shift a culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it has to start from something. Sure. One of those three points will work. You know, it depends mm-hmm. on which one you want to travel down the road of. Okay. Now, let me just ask you a question. Should have done sure. this first thing. Well, I mentioned corporate culture. Mm-hmm. How would you define it? What is corporate culture to you? I guess I would define corporate culture as the general feel you get within an organization of what's being important and placed as high value and what items or things or processes are not as valued. So it's knowing that if customer service is really important, part of the the, the culture of the organization, you can sense that just in your encounters with people. You can sense that with the messaging that's going on across the organization all that. So it's kind of a combination of all that is how I would see it. Okay, well, you're about as specific as most people are in articles and everything else. Because definitions, I think, have some core elements to it. Okay. I'm going to read you two of them that I've read sure. just recently. And that have some similarities, but it's kind of like a best guess. Mm-hmm. Here's one. This article defined corporate culture as the beliefs and behaviors that determine how a company's employees and management interact and handle outside business transactions. Okay, just hold mm-hmm. on that thought. Okay. Another one different organization or or article. Organizational culture is the behavior of humans within an organizational structure and the meaning that people attach to those behaviors. Okay. A little bit of threads of, you know, still what we do by who associated with this organization, right? It's still very people-focused. In other words, how we talk to each other, how we interact with one another. And both of them got pretty close on their next sentence after each one. Going back to the first definition, they followed that up by saying, often corporate culture is implied, not expressly defined. And to develop organically over time from the cumulative traits of the people the company hires. In mm-hmm. other words, we become we, 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 we become who we hire. And that's, I don't like that part. So that, okay. they're arguing that it starts at the hiring practice. As long that's, as you hire the right people, those people form your culture. I'm not even saying that they're saying that you hire the right people. Use whoever you hire makes that. A, 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 you could almost a argue culture. that if you went out and hired a bunch of really bad employees, then you're building a culture of of poor performance. Or to put it more in day-to-day language that we see happening every day, negative people. Right. If you you just have a vacant slot of an employee and you have to fill that with a warm body Mm -hmm. and you get negative people and you get enough of them to create critical mass to change that culture – your culture becomes known as a negative environment. Right. You know? Okay. So I, Why? I Not because you, you want it to be that way. Because yeah. we just defaulted and hired wrong people. See, I, I agree. I don't care for that definition because it makes it sound like it's all just dependent on whatever people you bring on board, yeah. which isn't always fair. Now, the other second sentence to the other definition I read a moment ago, that definition was organizational culture is a behavior of humans within the organization and the meaning that people attach to those behaviors. Then it says, culture includes the organization's vision, values, norms, which is expected behaviors, mm-hmm. systems, symbols, language, assumptions, beliefs, and habits. Okay. You know, there's everything that represents us, mm-hmm. what we do, how we look, how we portray ourselves, all those things is how people are going to define our culture. Sure. So let me get closer to the truth sometime. Right. But my 
point of contention, Alan, with this mm-hmm. whole thing about cultures. Okay. Is there's so many cultures that evolve with nobody pulling the reins and mm-hmm. steering the ship. It evolves by happenstance. It's like that one about hiring the wrong people, the right people. Right. It's like, okay, did we get lucky or not? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't think this, I don't think crafting a culture is a matter of luck. Crafting a culture is a matter of strategy and design. Basically, it starts with somebody saying, how do we want to look? How do we want to be? Mm-hmm. How do we want people to find us, you know, and know us for? You know, I might say, well, I want the Jackson Group to be known as a great place to work. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to say, well, yeah, me too. But until I put some wheels under that and say, what does that mean to me? Put some, put some pictures to it. Right. And then I have to back it up and say, well, so how do we hardwire those things into what we do every day so that it becomes our culture? I was going to say, it's not enough to just paint the picture and say, okay, no. that's who we're going to be. No. If your processes, your, your services, your customer service, your training don't fit those, then you're never going to get there. I read a quote the other day, and I thought it seemed up, summed it up in a part. Anyway, it says, all positive corporate cultures are intentional. Mm-hmm. Intentional, meaning somebody wanted it to happen that way. Somebody right. designed for it to happen that way and made it happen. Why do we know Disney to be the company that Disney is? Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, somebody had a vision that said, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be about a, be. it's going to be a happy place. It's and be that's why you place. hear the models with them about the consistent training, sure. the, 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 the kind of imprinting that culture into their employees the minute they, they get hired. Absolutely. It has to happen top down. It has to be very intentional. You're right. Take one of our favorite companies here, and that's Apple Corporation. Right. You know, Steve Jobs had the vision, you mm-hmm. know, and that's passed on to others. But the vision simply said, we want to, we're the innovators. Right. We're first to the market mm-hmm. on these things. Mm-hmm. We're going to change the way that people learn and acquire information. Right. And it was all I, about the quality, and it was all about that. And that's, that's there again, imprinted on everybody okay. that joins the organization. Right. We're not going to produce the cheap stuff that just you know, stacks the shelves. We're going after high-quality, high-margin items. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. I've been bringing it more down to, to our level here, this the organization that we both represent, the Jackson Group and mm-hmm. Drive Leadership and Jackson Group Interactive, these clusters of these companies that we have. Uh, which we're very proud. You know, we could go out and ask. In fact, I just met with a person. I was doing an individual consultation with a person. Mm-hmm. And that individual said to me, said, so, so what do y'all do? You know? <laughs> Always my favorite question. So That's right. my kids still ask me that every week. So. Well, my dad, before he passed away, he used to ask me when I said, you know, when I was a consultant, a management consultant. He said, yeah, but what do you do? <laughs> right. What do you make? That's right. <laughs> what do you make? Yeah. And the people have to have pictures drawn for them sometimes about not just knowing what we do, but what we value, what we stand for. Right. Okay. But for us to say, well, define the Jackson Group culture. For us to blandly say, well, we want to be a culture that communicates well with its marketplace, but also its employees. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to nod their heads and say, yeah, good for you. Good, mm-hmm. good, good. But that doesn't mean we always do it. That doesn't mean we hired that into our corporation all the time. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we look for those traits being a good communicator and everybody will hire. Uh, you brought it up the other day in a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We had up on the whiteboard. You saw the staff meeting with the quote, and I don't know whether you came up with this, Alan, or somebody else did. Maybe I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. Did you, you like it? Quotes. Well, yes. Okay. So yeah, yeah, came I came up with it. With it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I attributed it to you. No. But you wrote on the board. You said the biggest communication problems is we do not listen to understand. We listen to respond. Right. And I think you were not just quoting that to, to be in print, but you were saying we, the Jackson Group, probably mm-hmm. is part of that too. Yes. So even though we value good communications with our clients and with our staff and so on, we're not good at it because we've gotten the routine, routinely listening for and then 
being well, responsive to what it's we feeling hear. the need to always be ready to respond that's as right. opposed to being good listeners. Check and it I think off the list. Yeah. Client wants that. Okay, we do that. Well, yeah. that's being responsive. Sure. But it's not listening behind the words and between the lines to what a client might really be saying. It's really just refining because I mean we we've said as a culture responsiveness is really key for us and I yeah. think it still is, but it's also balancing that with being able to listen to respond, not you know, and listening to understand and listening to comprehend before responding, not just feeling like we've always respond with some sort of answer right away quickly to make us ourselves sound educated or experienced or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's those are messages that you're right. It's it's putting that culture out there and refining it a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's taking the idea of, yes, we're a very responsive company and we are going to share ideas. We're going to answer questions and we're going to be helpful, but we need to take a little step further and be the best listeners out there too. Because I think we all know that those organizations that listen are the ones who are going to get it right. Yep. You know, they're going to listen and they're going to be intentional with the responses, not just filling the air with words just to have it out there. Well, you know, there's a number of questions that have to be asked. Obviously, what we're talking about is while we all have some sense of what our corporate culture might be, I, I think it would be a better exercise to ask what do we want our corporate culture to be, mm-hmm. you know. So we craft something. We work towards something, craft it. And, you know, it's like the sculpture that somebody asked one time, it's this beautiful human sculpture they had made. And, and they said, gee, how do you do that? How do you craft that? How do you make that? look that way you know this is exactly like that person and the sculptor basically said well i just chip away everything that doesn't look like the person <laughs> until our, everything's left look like the person right <laughs> making a, a corporate culture work is the same way we chip away everything and address everything and correct everything that doesn't fit what we want the culture to be like mm-hmm. until we get it the way we want it until we're left with exactly, exactly the culture right. we wanted we don't just roll the dice and say well did we get lucky or not mm-hmm. you know we hire the right people no and i think you've got to hire people into your organization with their full knowledge of what they're getting into and what culture, and then give them the chance. Is this something you can be successful working in? Mm -hmm. Because these are our expectations. This is what we're about. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. So let's say, Dad, that you know, the organization has been very intentional in setting its culture and saying this is who we want to be, and it's communicated, it's shared, it's mm. imprinted on stationery, sure. and it's on the walls of messages and all that. And as an individual leader working in one of those organizations where you have a culture that has been defined, what, what should that leader be doing to make sure that culture stays intact? Well, I think that's a great question, first of all. And it happens to be, the, I think, the third part, I'm sorry, the fourth part of the whole evolution of a culture okay. crafting process. You hit the others. We have to find what do we value? What do we mm-hmm. applaud? What do we want more of? Mm-hmm. Okay, first. Secondly, we have to ideate. We have to generate ideas about, okay, what are the visible signs that we want to be always coming out from our organization, from its people, from our you know, message that we send out, from our communications, mm-hmm. that people can identify with and say, oh, yeah, that, that's what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Third is the hard wire. We've been talking a lot about that. How do you make it part of your organization's nature mm-hmm. that all people, I won't say function the same way or work the same way. That's not it at all. But you have to have the diversity. 
but on the same sheet of music. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Modern theorists call it alignment. They can't say alignment. How do you align your people with what you want to accomplish and what you want to get done and what your mission is? Well, it's, all it means is how do you get people on the same sheet of music? Mm-hmm. So they value the same things as corporations say it values. Okay. And that's part of where leadership comes in. Right. But also the fourth part of that whole evolution process is how do we renew and how do we keep that culture alive and mm-hmm. focus all the time? How do we keep our, not only keep the focus, but in focus, a clear picture of what mm-hmm. we are? That's where leadership comes in at two okay. levels. Corporate leadership, meaning owners of the company or mm-hmm. proprietaries or, or the CEOs and senior staff, as I said, it starts there. They have to emulate. They have to see. When people look up the corporate ladder, they have to see behaviors that emulate what that corporate culture is supposed to be like in the behaviors of those people. Okay. They also have to use language that reinstills it. I think the language and the messages that CEOs, vice presidents, upper-level management sends out all the time, and what they see, how they say it, how often they say it, what they reinforce, and what they confront sometimes mm-hmm. is a big part of keeping that culture hardwired and in place right so it's just just drift away with time it's the latest buzz thing mm-hmm. to go through and a lot of that and this is really a key point that i want to make today because most of our work as you know is, is obviously we do a lot with senior teams mm-hmm. presidents and vice presidents but we do most of our work with department directors and managers right this is the key point i want to make those departments are cultures in and among themselves mm-hmm. nested into a broader corporate culture okay okay Kind of like subcultures, but you know what? Every manager and director has it within their to be the CEO of that department, if you sure. would. Right. So they can craft a culture for that department, mm-hmm. a radiology department in, in a healthcare organization. What do we want to be known for in our customer service to people inside the hospital with our patients? What do we want to be known for? What, what are our trademarks? You know, hmm. what puts its stamp on us? You know, so it's not even feeling like as a department director that you just automatically have to adhere the exact no. replica of what the corporation culture is That's right. and try to apply it in your department. That's right. Uh, you can create a little bit of your own subculture, like you said, with your own areas of things that you want to play up and focus. Well, what's, what it means in our work area, particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. everybody at a corporate level is going to say in a healthcare environment, they're going to say things like, well, we want to be known for providing or improving the healthcare in the community. Sure. Well, sure. And who doesn't? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you said, no, I don't want to be known for that because we don't want to improve. <laughs> It'd be kind of crazy to do. Mm-hmm. But when you translate that into behaviors, okay, what's going to prove to people that that's the way we are, though? And that's what our efforts are directed towards in our culture, mm-hmm. that our culture drives behaviors of the people who are affiliated with it. Right. What do we translate that into? Same thing can be done at the department level. Mm-hmm. It really can be. Or a team level. Doesn't matter. I would assume just as long as that department culture isn't in direct opposition to what the corporation is trying to do. I mean, there's got to be some synergy there. Sure. But it can be a lot more refined. It can be a lot more focused. It can be a lot more unique to that individual work area. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Making sure that people have a clear understanding that culture is the best cultures are those that are designed by intention, good Mm -hmm. intention. Mm -hmm. Design. It's an active leadership process, not a passive one. Second is that it, it trickles from the top down, right. right? not from the bottom up. It's not just a function of who we happen to have working for us and who they are mm-hmm. that defines who we are as a company. The company defines what people go after and what people fits best in our culture. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know what we do here at the Jackson Group. Sure. One of our biggest questions of people, do you think you can work successfully in this type of culture right. that we have here? Mm-hmm. And we're very candid to people. You know, give them, you know, 
We give them the ups and downs of our companies. We tell them the positive sides and the, the frustrating sides yeah. because we want them to make an informed choice if they're going to work with us that they can fit our culture, no matter how it's defined. And it's fitting our culture because we don't intend for the culture to change based on who we bring in necessarily. Unless so. it's people we're designing that we bring in to, in fact, change. Or they're adding something to our culture that that's, can get us stronger, absolutely. Exactly right. But it's still by design. That's right. It's still intentional and not just happens yeah. to be whatever we have laying around that's at right. the time. So. You know, there are other things to, to keep the culture alive that we have crafted at this mm-hmm. point, you know, whether it's at the department level or the organization level and trickles down and so on and so forth. But if we made a conscious effort to craft a culture rather than just take it, you know, it is what it is type mm-hmm. of thing. It's mm-hmm. a very lackadaisical approach. We, we say that leadership messages, message from leadership is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we print out printed-wise, it says things about our company, how sure. we even say things in brochures or mm-hmm. mailings and emails and What's that thing called? Internet? You know, all yes, that type right. of stuff. Right. That new and emerging thing, the internet. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And on that facelift thing, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a function of what people see us celebrating and what we celebrate internally. Hopefully mm-hmm. we have celebrations, you know, where we applaud certain behaviors of staff or contributions of staff. What we celebrate together, you know, if, if we say we want to be known as a highly team, integrated team organization, we're high reliance on each component of our organization. It, it, you know, two plus two equals five, not just four. Type right. Of thing. Mm-hmm. But people never know that we don't have they, – they see that we don't have team retreats or don't have team meetings or we don't celebrate team successes and that sort of stuff. It's kind of like, well, okay, well, I heard you say that, but I don't believe but it because I don't see the evidence. Okay. Well, plus, whatever you choose to celebrate and raise up, you're basically saying to everybody, this is important to us. If you're not raising up certain elements, but you're focusing on others that may be more negative or more detrimental to the culture, then that's what people are going to think is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And the antithesis of of celebration is what do we tend to confront? Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody is portraying the opposite of what we want to be portrayed in our value systems in this culture, or they're acting counterculture, if you would, we have to confront that. So Mm -hmm. other people see it and see it, that we don't tolerate. Yeah. You know, it's not on what we celebrate. It's also what we don't tolerate. It sends the messages. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, slogans, signs, what we put out about us, what we want to be hearing people are knowing that people hear being said about us. Mm-hmm. Um, how A little we bit of the branding side of things, kind of how we brand yeah. our message. Brand, that's great. Make sure yeah. it's everywhere yeah. that people that's, it's visible and there's yeah. no mixed messages anywhere. And it's branding not just to have a visual image, but right. a clear picture of mm-hmm. what we're like as a place to do business with or sure. work in. Okay. okay. Uh, how we reinforce and applaud behaviors of the staff who we hire. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, our organization of goals. I mean, everybody does annual goals, and it's an exercise and mm-hmm. an endurance test for a lot of people. Okay. But what it should be, the priority of those goals should reflect the priorities of our values in our corporate culture. We want to be and we want to continue to be what we want to extol and hold up and celebrate should be seen in what we're going to make happen this coming year. So in other words, if, you know, just hypothetically, an organization that says we want to place all of our emphasis as a culture on customer service, customer relationships, longevity and retention of our clients. Or profit but, margin or any of those hard no, but, Yeah, but if they're choosing that, but then they say, well, our, the only goal that we're really tracking is okay. profitability. Okay. You kind of losing the mixed message. There you a go. Bit, Absolutely. Right. If yeah. all people hear about some numbers when they're hearing on the one hand our mission is and our values are, it's just people just sure. don't believe it. Right. You don't gain adherence to our culture and our mission that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And go back to orange is a new black. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, new inmates learn who to buddy up to, who mm-hmm. not to, who to watch out for, 
who to listen to, who not to listen to, how we get things done here. Right. You know, how we make trades, how we, you know, reinforce your behaviors, who's got your back, who doesn't. Sure. Those are all cultural messages. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens with new employees coming into any culture or organization. <laughs> think Very about true. it. true. Yep. And that's one reason I think that one of the ways that we maintain or build and enhance our cultures is through new employees coming on board. Mm-hmm. Not who we hire necessarily. Right. I hope we hire for a good fit to the culture. But the other is how we orient them. Mm-hmm. Before they even sign the papers, we ought to give them a pic- clear picture of what it's like to work here. Okay? What's applauded, what's not applauded, and so right. forth. And also, and you know we've seen that happen before. And also, soon after orientation, everybody ought to be hearing the same messages about who we are, what we celebrate, what we tolerate throughout the organization. Why are you smiling right now? No, I'm just I'm trying to picture in a in, in the prison environment with the with the television show how different it <laughs> would be. I know what you're picturing. Well, if program. a new prisoner came on board and instead of it being a the other inmates basically say you're going to sleep in that bed and you got to come to me whenever you want this. I'm the only way to provide this. It's just that whole culture is being set by the inmates there. Yeah. Imagine how different it would be to have the actual people running the prison to say, okay, well, let's walk you through everything that you need to know throughout the day. And here's the people you're going to need to visit. And this is how we really like for you to interact with others. I mean, none of that happens. None of that happens. So no. the inmates are creating their own culture, you know, for the better or for worse, you yep. know, around them. So. They create and maintain that culture. Yeah. They really do. And, and where you got your leadership, basically just kind of throwing them in a situation. Say, here you go, go figure it out, have fun. And, okay. uh, and they're left to be influenced by all the others. And see, the only role that management of the prison in that particular case would have in shaping the culture would be through policy procedures, rules, yeah. and regulations. That's right. You're not and allowed to do this. physical layout of the buildings. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. what, that's the only thing they control about that. Mm-hmm. They don't sh- control the behaviors, but they can shape some behaviors because we boxed them in because of policies and procedures, right. rules, and regulations. Sure. That type of thing. That's funny. And a lot of companies that you work for are the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, the thou shalt and thou shalt not supersede the way we want to be. Well, you know, we even do with a lot of our employee engagement surveys and work culture surveys we conduct, we actually ask a lot of questions of newer employees, people who've been here less than a year or so, to find out were they well-oriented, were they well-welcomed in their department, did they receive the support they needed from leadership, and do they understand kind of the – the mission, the values of the organization, do they have a buy-in of those? And it's interesting to see those, those work areas where you can tell somebody gets in there and it's immediately the coworkers are saying, oh, this is the way you got to do this. Yeah. And if you really want to get anything done around here, you got to do this. Yep. Don't listen to this person. You got to right. go to this person. That's right. And it's very clear when you've got that kind of culture versus the one where an employee comes in and everybody's on the same page, everybody's saying the same messages. And it's all because it's being shared top-down all throughout the organization. Well, here's a practical aspect of that. I know in in previous uh, episodes of of Leadership GPS, we've talked about some work experiences I had in a textile mill years ago. Right, sure. Where, you know, people want to be more appreciated by their coworkers than they do by supervision and leadership. Mm -hmm. People want to fit in. They want the accolades from their colleagues much more so than they want the attaboys from leadership. Right, sure. Anyway, whole, whole different set of stories there. But one that relates to that, I think, just as as well, a lot of times, has to do with how people assimilate into the organization and who they pick up their messages from, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And so basically the message is, well, be like us. If you want to be successful in this environment, Mm -hmm. be like us. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've hired all the right people and you've ingrained them the right cultural norms, while all those be like us messages are positive, Mm -hmm. team-oriented, customer-centered, whatever it might be, Great. Who better than to hear from than those colleagues who are spouting the same stuff that leadership would do? Sure. Right. It's when the, there's a counterculture mm-hmm. message and people come in and say, well, 
you know, what, what's it really like to work in here? It's, oh, my God. Right. You chose us to work with? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, all those types of things. And there are organizational subcultures like that. I'm working right now with an organizational subculture in a healthcare organization. It's about 60-some employees. And it's vicious. Okay. And they've taken a lot of delight in making it hard for new employees to be accepted into that department. They have to wow. fight your way in. Mm. So they have high turnover. Sure. Among new employees in that first year. That would make and everybody sense. just sit back and say, why, why, why? Well, because people don't help them be successful. They almost dare them to be successful right. mm-hmm. and be counterculture to what the culture exists because the culture is negative. Hmm. It's really interesting. It's a human behavioral and organizational behavior type of phenomenon, I think, when you talk about shaping or crafting a culture or just accepting the culture as whoever we happen to hire and whoever we happen to be for the moment. Wow. You know. So creating a culture that, you know, being intentional about it, actually designing it, not just letting it happen on its own accord, but really being intentional about saying this is who we want to be, making sure it's clear through messaging you're saying about signage and printed material and everything else that people see, and then making sure leadership is obviously constantly reinforcing that, and I would assume modeling it to some degree as well. And you got to have your leaders have to be. following in line with that culture and not being counter to it. Yep. But also, uh, one thing I thought was interesting is that idea of letting – departments or work areas kind of have their own little bit of a subculture as long as it still is emphasizing what the corporate culture is still Absolutely. doing. Right? Yeah, it's kind of like a mini, mini yeah. subculture. Uh, what's that term? Mini me that came from one of the programs. I right. Yes. Things, you know, yes. Modern age. Anyway, it's, it's not how the miniature model of, but they can make it their own. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's the way I hope organization can function is that, you know, what, what we value here is that we hope the Jackson group can be, an umbrella for a lot of entrepreneurial-minded people mm-hmm. who do well what they are there to do under the corporate umbrella of the supportive umbrella of the Jackson Group. Yeah, you know, to let people work well at what we want to be as a total corporation. Right. Know? Perfect. Uh, that makes sense. That's such a thing to do. Give out latitude and all that, but under that corporate umbrella. Okay? Right. Very great. What do you think? This is great. No, this is good. Defining a corporate culture, I think, very, very important. Talking about it here in a leadership podcast because we are talking about leadership's role in making yep. this happen. Yep. You know, it is leadership that has to design that culture. Leadership has to emphasize and reinforce that culture for yep. it to happen. Yep. It cannot just be a byproduct of just whatever you happen to be making that week or whoever you happen to hire in your departments. Yep. So, absolutely. Yep. And you right. know what? And, and the key is leadership is also one thing we didn't mention. Leadership, the key is to keeping those positive cultural norms in place despite the overall success of the corporation or not. Mm. You could be losing your rear end, you know, bleeding dollars and profit and low profit margin and layoff people. You know, it's tougher, but you can still say, but what's important to us is. And we just have to manage it differently given this dire situation we're in or this depressed economy or whatever it might be. We're not losing sight of the culture, and the culture is not That's changing right. because right. we're having a tough time of things. Yep. We've still got to be focused on the culture that we're going to keep and maintain. Good. Well, one other quote I ran across it says, a culture defines the heart of the organization, and a change of heart is not to be taken lightly. Yeah. Think about That's that. That's good. I like that a lot. Thank it's you. Very good. I came up with that one, I think. Did you? I think so. Oh, I put really? my name by it. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> All right. We need like our- you said, if it's, you know, unless you know differently, yes, I did. Well, <laughs> our engineering interns are going to need to research that and make sure uh, we didn't copy that from somewhere right. else. So. <laughs> Let me read that one again. Okay, just because, again, I think yeah. I came up with it. Yeah. Culture uh, defines the heart of the organization, and a change of heart is not to be taken lightly. Wow. 
Yeah, I hope you. I hope you made that. I hope album, I did. That's good. You proud of your old dad? I am. As long as you didn't copy it. So. Well, <laughs> even if even if you copied it, I'm still proud of you for finding it. Yeah, but, I'm uh, 67, so my mind's not quite what it was. But in my, to my to my recollection, this is <laughs> Mr. Senator. Right, you know. All right, good. Well, I think we'll wrap up the conversation today for that, and I think it summed it up really really nicely too. So a lot of good information there. If you like the kind of conversation we're having, we recorded, gosh, I don't know how many episodes so far in kind of our first iteration of this Mm -hmm. that are all available online on uh, themesh.tv. That's T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV, the website there. Uh, You can also find us on iTunes by doing a search for Leadership GPS as well as Stitcher Radio, and all those are available for on-demand downloading and playing of all of our past episodes. We also recommend you check out all the other shows on the Mesh.TV network. We've got everything ranging from film reviews to sports to entertainment to business. Uh, if you like this show, another show you may want to check out is called Stepping Up Service, mm-hmm. That's great. where we talk about the world of customer service, not just from a leadership perspective, but even from an employee perspective. But this episode in particular, I think there's other things that if you, if you find that you're trying to define a culture and it takes having to refine some of your processes to match that culture, yep. there's actually been some discussions in the customer service podcast about how do you enhance your processes and internal operations to match the culture that you want to set. So some good complimentary information there and as well. And your cohort in that um, stepping up service is mm-hmm. Ed Yagnon out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. And his company is Customer Service Initiatives, right? Cur- customer Service Solutions. Yeah. Solutions. CSS, yep. I'm sorry. CSS. Yep. I'm thinking TV again. CSI. Yeah, CSI, yeah, right. I know. Yeah, right. okay. The CSS. <laughs> Not dead bodies. This no. is lively customer service. Okay. <laughs> that's right. But we do recommend you check out that show as well. These two kind of complement each other nicely, especially if your culture is going to be very focused on the idea of delivering outstanding customer service. Uh, again, we want to pass along our thanks and encourage you to check out the Greater Hickory Kia Classic coming up October 13th through the 19th, 2014. So as we record this, we're just a few months away from that tournament happening. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun at Rock Barn Golf and Spa in Conover, North Carolina. You can find out more information about the tournament or get your tickets now at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. On the website, that's www.greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. Kia Classic.com. That's K-I-A. K-I-A. Mm-hmm. That's the car. So uh, Kia right. Classic there. And uh, we're very happy to have the Kia Classic as a uh, sponsor here on The Mesh and a partner with us as we go forward and uh, really bring a great a great event to this area. I just thought of a little slogan for them, by the way, since we're talking okay, about good. slogan we're messages about cultures, yep. and that is, is golfing tournaments well done. Golfing tournaments well done. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, good. for the city of Hickory in yep. this area, too, we have – What's the slogan that y'all been working on there? Uh, life well-crafted. Left well-crafted. Yeah. So the same thing, golfing tournaments, well-crafted or well-done. Well-done, well-crafted. Yeah. yeah. I'll send that right in. See what I'm you sure can you do will. With it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's going to be all for uh, Leadership GPS. I do want to say if you're interested in either connecting with one of the two of us, there's a couple ways you can reach us. Uh, Tony's work is through Drive Leadership, and that's a program that we have here at the Jackson Group, working with individual managers and an organization, helping them on the path to becoming really strong leaders for that organization as well. We do have a website, driveleadership.com, but you can also go through our parent website, which is thejacksongroup.com. Either way, there's ways to reach us and uh, contact us through there. Thejacksongroup.com, that's where we spend a lot of time talking about employee satisfaction surveys, customer satisfaction and engagement surveys, uh, looking at training and reinforcement of the ideas we collect from the surveys, research projects where we gather data from communities or populations to help you make better strategic decisions for your organization. 
And part of our culture as a Jackson group is defined by our, that's our slogan, if you That's right. Which is our, our corporate mission, if you would, mm-hmm. is to help organizations manage well, serve well, and communicate well. That's right. If we, don't, if we do things that don't contribute to one of those three or all more than that, we're not doing our we job. We don't need to be we're doing We're not living that. up to our culture. That's needs. right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can learn a little bit more about our companies at thejacksongroup.com, driveleadership.com, and then with our multimedia company here, Jackson Group Interactive, you can learn more about that. That's the parent of the mesh here and kind of the, the, the uh, guys setting up this whole network and making it happen. That's at jginteractive.com. So we just plugged a lot of sites, but with that, I think we're ready to wrap up the show. Thanks a lot, Dad, for your time. I'm glad to get the uh, show uh, going again after I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus. I'm glad you Dad rather than Tony all this time. Yeah, I'm working on it. Right? Yeah, okay, we, we, we jump around between names on time, from time to time on the show, but uh, I appreciate all your input and expertise on the subject here. Well, I've enjoyed it, son. All right. Great. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Lead well. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.